from the Atonement Fargo studio on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota. This is That Podcast? To contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, do it at atonement.live slash podcast. And now, here's those crazy people with That Podcast. Hey everybody, how we doing? It's another going to be another crazy week of that podcast. We've got Pastor DJ Lura with us, Sarah DeYoung, and the Reverend Dr. Paul Cross is back for another week of fun and no no frolicking. No, no frolicking? No no frolicking. Okay, Just I, I I'm back. Actually, this is my front. My back's on the other side. <laughs> Clearly we did not lock the doors in time to the studio. <laughs> Just let anybody. I'm in. really hoping for some, some shenanigans. Shenanigans. We could, we'll probably get some shenanigans in. Uh, 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 shenanigans are good. Or Thomas Foolery. Yeah. Or something. Tom. He likes to be called Tom. Oh, he likes to be called Tom. I see. Tom okay. Foolery. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and who are you? What you, you, you mentioned all of our names. But oh, oh. I I suppose I should say I am Ryan Janky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't have my script this week. Flying Ryan. <laughs> Uh, so we've got another week and, uh, we've got, we've got Sarah a mic this week and yeah. And I thought that this would be a good chance for her to defend herself a little bit after we ripped on, uh, what was it? Sewer falls. I think that was it. Yeah. Sewer falls. Uh, last. You know, the top 10 reasons to live in, uh, uh, uh South Dakota. <laughs> Number 10. It's not Nebraska. <laughs> Man, the wrath is coming. <laughs> I'm going to have to make a full PowerPoint to share. <laughs> Reason number one should just be it's not North Dakota. Oh, oh, oh come on. You can't say that. I don't mind you know, North Dakota. The but. Coen brothers didn't make a movie called Sioux Falls. You know that. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That, that Fargo was another another good one that yeah. uh, uh, is not necessarily for everybody. Uh, I don't baptize much in it. That's true. That, that's very true. I, I don't. Have you, you seen any of the TV show? Uh, no, I didn't, but I heard it was really good. Uh, yeah, I watched uh, a couple episodes of the first season, and that was when I was not living in North Dakota, and I think I was just really pining to hear some good Midwestern <laughs> accents because I was in the South at the time. And boy, could you hear them. You heard them. <laughs> yeah, you heard them for sure. Have you seen the big, uh, I forget the sheriff's name, uh, 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 Francis McDermott, mm-hmm. uh, what her name was in the in the uh, movie, but they have a big carved wood statue of her in the Fargo Theater upstairs. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that's fun. So well, do do you have any any uh, defenses, or do you just want to uh, just? Well, I think the first one is it's not it's Sioux Falls. Sewer Falls is non-existent. There is Sewer City. It's about an hour further south it's in iowa mm-hmm. nobody really wants to go there because it's iowa oh, oh no oh, yeah so we you... can't be mean to iowa <laughs> my mother's from iowa i'm gonna go home i'll see you guys later <laughs> oh sarah, come back come sarah, back uh, revenge is a dish best served cold exactly so <laughs> bide your time exactly <laughs> oh that's funny so that's all you got Two Falls, is, South Dakota is a nice place. We got Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is cool. We yeah. were there. We were there for a mission trip uh, in 2017, I think. 
and they have the reptile gardens, you know, the reptile gardens, which is better than. It is not, Paul. It is better than. So there's Well, there's there's bear country and there's reptile gardens, right? We didn't go to either while we were there. You didn't go to either. You no. should have gone to reptile gardens. You didn't miss much not going there. You could have gone to bear country USA, though. That's fun. Drive through zoo. Drive through, uh, yeah. Um, shortly before Melissa and I got married, I went on a trip to Montana to go fishing with my father-in-law and my two future brothers-in-law. And it was one of those experiences where I thought, if I fail this trip, they're going to leave me out in the wilderness. Because we went up this mountain where all of a sudden there was no cell service. There was there was nothing. It was just wild, and it was grizzly bear country. Um, thankfully, I made it out uh, in their good graces. But we decided to go um, down back through South Dakota. And we went to Mount Rushmore. And after Mount Rushmore, I'd seen these signs beforehand that said, only like, you know, 600 miles to world-famous wall drug. And you would see them like every seven miles. Mm-hmm. We were so pumped to go to wall drug. And I got to say, when I got there, it really disappointed. Oh, uh, it, <laughs> yeah. If nothing else is successful from South Dakota, it should be just wall drug and the myth that is jackalopes. I had a yes. roommate in college he was convinced that he's like, no, jackalopes are real. I've seen like a taxidermy jackalope. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, dude, but uh, they just put antlers on a jackrabbit. <laughs> Did it's you say, real. I also have been to Waldrug <laughs> exactly. and seen the jackalope. Exactly. Yeah. I, it, we were there. We didn't spend a lot of time. That was when we were when we went to Rapid City for the, the mission trip. We didn't spend a lot of time at Waldrug. But... This stuff was neat. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff that was, I don't know if I want to say overpriced, but it was expensive for sure. It's eclectic. Well, it was built up so much after driving for 20 hours that it's like, oh, I can't wait to see this place. And we got there, and it was like, okay, that's the best advertising I've ever seen for anything ever because I wanted to leave there at least with a bumper sticker that said I was I, – I visited uh, uh, world-famous wall drug. Uh, DJ, mm-hmm. you, you, you had – been in Salisbury, North Carolina, correct? Yes, sir. Now, now, south of Salisbury, North Carolina is South Carolina, correct? That's what I hear. They generally work <laughs> that way. Uh, does south of the border still exist? Uh, is is that still there? Yes, it does. Well, you know, there are a few, just a couple of billboards uh, along Interstate ninety five, letting you know that south of the border is there. And our friend Pedro, and so just, I'm just curious. I mean, there are, there is some similarity between the two places. Uh, it, there is, however, between North Carolina and South Carolina, there's a lot of things to look at. Yes, when you're driving through South Dakota the long way, it's kind of like driving through Montana or North Dakota the long way. It's just basically like uh, a Roadrunner cartoon strip going over and over and over again. So it's a long way. There's more anticipation built in. So what you're saying is it's not much interest in South Dakota. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, I am not saying nor denying anything. I'm, I'm just making the point of my own experience. Oh, your own personal experience yes. there. Okay. Just, Once you get to the Black Hills, it's, it's neat. Ru- yeah. Mount Rushmore was, was great. Yeah, it was. And I'll, I'll say these fighting words. The South Dakota Badlands are way better than North Dakota Badlands. What? <laughs> way better. You'll note they're not named after Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt, of course, you know, the, the, the founder of the National Park Service, the guy who had the, the vision for this, the North Dakota Badlands are named after Theodore Roosevelt, who lived there. That's mm-hmm. because they had to put something else in North Dakota besides Fargo. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Harsh. maybe we'll maybe we'll move Ouch. on before. <laughs> wow. All right, we'll move on. You've said your yep. you've said your piece. Yep, wasn't she, good, she, but um, she, she can give as good as she gets. Uh, <laughs> you mean that's as good as she gets? <laughs> Oh, but uh, I, I one more thing I want to say about the that mission trip that we took. It was uh, it was interesting to go to that that area. Uh, just to, there is a lot of Native American history there that is really really neat, um, and it was fun. Um, I'd I'd like to go back as a vacation. I mean, we were we were working well. The guys and and I weren't working that hard. We went and served at the club for boys where we just basically hung out and played games all day every day the girls kind of they had a they had a rougher go they had to do gardening and things like that but um just going around and seeing everything was so not much different from what you normally do here correct yep yep exactly yeah i'm checking on that (laughs) but the kids liked it the kid the kid (laughs) so okay well uh we'll we'll move on from South Dakota. If you decide to go to Mount Rushmore, let me know. I'll hook you up with some good places to go in South Dakota. Well, there's Mount Rushmore. Yep, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So yesterday, I went on to Amazon.com, and I've been looking for this thing since. When did we hold your your inductive Bible study class? That would be uh, August of uh, 2019. August. Yeah, it was before my sister got in her accident. And I've been looking for a, a Thompson chain reference ESV Bible since. And there were some online around November, December, probably the Christmas market. And they were in the thousands of dollars yes. to buy one of those. Yeah. And so, so Dell picked one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I is can't. It, is this another shout out to Dell? It is. Yeah. I, I feel like we should just we probably a, should, yeah. a follow up. <laughs> but he bought one. And uh, I can't remember what he said he paid for it, um, but they uh, they they get a couple hundred dollars for those now. Um, it's the ESV. You can get an NIV or a King James um, Thompson Chain Reference Bible for what thirty five dollars, something like that. Um, so first of all, why is that? Well, let me ask a different question first, just to in case people don't know that are t- tuning in. What's what does ESV mean? What does NIV mean? Okay. E- what does King James mean? Well, ESV is English Standard Version, correct? And uh, um, NIV is, is it New International Version? And then uh, King James is, that goes, that was written. Long day ago. Long, long day ago. Long, long day ago. Uh, 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 it was pu- first published in 1611. 1611. The NIV uh uh, was worked on throughout the late 50s, 60s, but was New Testament published in, I think it was 73, 1973, uh, uh, revision in 1978, and then the full thing, 1984. Uh, the ESV first came out in 2001. So ESV is kind of a, a long, a long uh, standing revision of a revision of a revision going back to even before the King James. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I just, uh, you can't find them. So I, I went on, I, I bought that one yesterday. I don't know when I'm going to get it. There's about a two-week uh, uh, window where it may or may not show up. But um, um, 
I, I bought that one and uh, it's gone. <laughs> I went back onto Amazon, clicked on the one that I bought, and it says currently unavailable. So, so hopefully you're getting a copy. Is that is that what? You're well, no, it it's shipped. It's shipped already. It's just they had one there. That I, was it. Maybe I mean there there were lots of days when I couldn't go on and check, but I checked a lot. And so why the uh, why the excitement? Well, yeah, uh, that would be my question too. What's so special about this version of the? standard version i guess you're looking to me to answer that question yes sir well we're, for, we're going to the google machine we are going to the google machine <laughs> the living google machine. the living google machine to, to be to be totally honest i mean i guess the question would be to me right why did i <laughs> why did i go with that rather than for one thing um, well i want to hear his answer before i make a judgment on your your choice so oh okay <laughs> yeah can we ask how much you paid for it it, uh, yeah, it it was on Amazon, so it's not a big secret. It was two hundred, okay, two hundred dollars. Yeah, I paid more for a Bible. Yeah. Oh, I, I, this is being recorded, right? Right. Yes. right. Can can we somehow delete that so the SMC doesn't hear me say <laughs> that I paid more for a Bible? Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I. I uh, yeah, well, th- why don't you uh, sure. take it away? Well. There are lots and lots and lots of versions of the Bible in English. We don't need to go into that right now, but someday we can. Uh, But in addition to being lots and lots of versions of the Bible in English, uh, there are lots of different editions of the various versions of the Bible. Think of it sort of like as as stair steps and and subsets. Uh, Think of it like that. Uh, for example, uh, the, the NIV has an NIV Bible, then it's the NIV Study Bible, there's an NIV Theology Bible. You can get the NIV Life Application Bible. There are all sorts of study editions. Uh, most study edition or study Bibles uh, contain a fair number of annotations, uh, footnotes at the bottom of the text uh, that offer insight, offer commentary. Ostensibly, study Bibles are sort of trimmed down commentaries. And that's okay. I mean, again, they they, kind of tell you uh, what one person or what a group of people are thinking about a particular passage. Uh, So some people want to be told. I mean, that's kind of the the way some people are. They sort of just give me, give it to me simple. Give it to me straight. Yeah, that's okay, but the thing is is that uh, when you get a study Bible like that, you're getting a person's uh, particular perspective, uh, whether it's their theological perspective, their philosophical perspective, or any other number of things. What uh, sets the Thompson Chain Reference Bible apart from uh, just about every other study Bible out there is, is it doesn't have all these extensive footnotes to them. Uh, what it has is in the... Uh, in the columns, uh, it has uh, on the margins, I should say, uh, it has chain references. It's got numbers that that uh, take you back to an index in the uh, in the back of the Bible, and you'll find that passages of Scripture are arranged uh, thematically, uh, arranged, arranged by subject, arranged by topic. Uh, it's it's a a, a a massive topical index. You can go to the index and and see like. 
pick a subject like, let's just say, the divinity of Christ, and you would go under Christ, and then underneath that there would be divinity, and it would give you a number, and then you'd go to the number, and then it would have a list of all these Bible verses there. That's one way you could do it. Another way you could do it, you could just be kind of reading through the Bible like everybody reads through the Bible. And then in the side, in the margin, there's a number that might say divinity of Christ. And uh, it'll point you to the passage that preceded it that pertained to the divinity of Christ and the passage that comes after it. Uh, So you can follow the chain along. That's why it's called a chain reference Bible. The amazing thing about... uh, 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 the Thompson Chain Reference Bible is uh, when it was published. Uh, it was published at the uh, turn of the century. It's not the turn of the 21st century. That is the turn of the 20th century. Uh, in the early part of the 20th century, uh, Pastor uh, Thompson did all this by hand before the advent of uh, electronic concordances or computers or anything of the like. Uh, this was all done by hand. It's an amazing feat of uh, study and, and how he's put it together. It's, it's without a doubt the best topical Bible that you're going to find out there. It's, it's a great tool. If I had one Bible to be stuck with on a desert island, that would be the one. Do, you know, do we know how long it took him to do that? I don't know how long it took him. Uh, no, I, I don't know how long. I do know that he was a Methodist pastor, uh, uh, so I, I'm... So I, I couldn't tell you how long it took him, uh, but uh, I believe his name was Frank Thompson. I could be wrong about it. It was Frank or Fred or something like that, one of those names. Uh, but uh, uh, he uh, uh, was a Methodist pastor, and uh, it's funny. There, there must have been a, a run of Methodist pastors because another great study tool, again, one of the if I was uh, on a desert island and I could you know, pick only a handful of Bible books, uh, would be a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Uh, originally published in uh, uh, 1881 by James Strong. It's a, it's a, uh, it has to do with the King James Bible, though, so it's a little antiquated there. But uh, every word, every blessed word in the King James Bible is there in that concordance. And again, he did it all by hand uh, without the aid of any kind of uh, uh, computing device, uh, an amazing uh, document that the uh, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and uh, people still buy them today. You can buy them uh, brand new uh, since 1881. Uh, they're still published. Uh, that would be another good one right there to have. Also, uh, James Strong was a, uh, guess what, a Methodist pastor. And then the, the other book, the third book, would be uh, a Knave's Topical Bible uh, or a, a, Vines, a Vines Expository Dictionary. And guess what? Another guy was a Methodist. Uh, so it's there must have been something in the baptismal water of those Methodists back then because <laughs> yeah. uh, they were knocking out some pretty good study aids that have withstood the test of time. Yeah, there are ones that are better now. There's no question about that. But uh, these are tough to beat, though. These are tough to beat. They set the bar pretty high to be passed. You know, uh, generations of pastors and Bible students have used uh, uh, the Thompson Chain Reference, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and Vine's Expository Dictionary. I mean, generations of pastors have used those things. Yes, there are things that are better now, but uh, those are still uh, my, my they're kind of my, they're, if some people have seen my library, I've got a few books, a couple here and there. Uh, but those were my kind of my first three after my Confirmation Bible, those three right there. I think of like tools. Um, I have better tools, but there's always that old wrench I want to go back and use again and again, even though it's 
rusting and worn and torn, but it's it's reliable. It's gnarly looking. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, Paul, for us younger folks who prefer electronic paper and books, do you know is there an online? Not online, but you can indeed uh, through there's various Bible software programs out there, and the one that I use, Accordance, uh, you can indeed buy the electronic version of the Thompson Chain Reference, which makes it adaptable to any, and I do mean any, version that you happen to also have online. So that makes it really cool. And I do have it. It's really cool that way, and I use it frequently, yes. So, yes, all the, to, the, to, the, to the young electronic types, yes, absolutely, as opposed to us, you know, analog dinosaurs. and uh, who's, who's, Who still know how to uh, write, read and write in cursive. <laughs> cursive, yeah. <laughs> I know how to read and write in cursive. <laughs> they still taught that when I went to school. <laughs> well, welcome to the old guys club. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, uh, poor Sarah, you, God bless you for being here. You know, it, it, it's, it's a tough room. It really is. It is. It's not easy. <laughs> well, so the, the reason that I went with, with the ESV uh, was because, well, first of all, the, the King James, so... My first Bible was a New King James. That's what they gave us. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe fifth grade, we'll say. It doesn't matter. I was little, and I had no idea what anything in that Bible said. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I still have it. It's got a lot of sentimental value. But, um, I, you know, and to this day, if I go to a King James, I, I you know, I don't get it. I don't understand. And uh, I, I didn't really want to go with an NIV. ESV is, is what we use here at Atonement. And so that's why I decided to go with that. But uh, what, what was your first Bible, DJ? Do you remember the first Bible you had? Uh, the first one that, that stands out to me is kind of the same circumstances, getting a Bible in, in fourth grade around the time of First Communion. And uh, mine was a revised standard version. Mm. Bible. Yep. Uh, Black, yep, with with gold light uh, light uh, uh, embossing for the name Holy Holy Bible. Yeah, uh, pretty fancy. Pretty pretty. Do you still have it? I still have it, and I don't think I've used it since I was in fourth <laughs> grade. But I still have it. I think well, I used it in confirmation. But you know how you can tell a, a Lutheran confirmation Bible, can't you? <laughs> the cellophane's still on it. <laughs> Has that new Bible smell when you open it up? It's never been opened. The pages still stick together. <laughs> yes, indeed. Turn to the unused portion of your Bible. Well, and so I, I guess a, a follow-up question I'd like to know, and and hopefully, you know, Pastor Paul, you can give us more insight into this. Without a, a real deep answer, because I'm sure this we could have we could talk about this for days. Mm-hmm. Um, why are there or why are there different versions of the same? But are they all related? I mean, uh, are they all from the King James version in English, or or what? Uh, you know, that's a great great intro because I, you know, you know, ask me what time it is. I'll tell you how to be able to watch. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, the The answer to that is exceedingly complex. Uh, for but let's just say this: for whatever reason it seems that there is a proliferation of translations of the Bible in English. I, I think it can be attributed to a few things. Um, uh, 
But if, when you look, when you start looking at it, you realize, well, wait a minute, that's not true. A lot of times, people will say, "Is this this is a, a Protestant Catholic thing?" You know, uh, uh, Protestants like the Bible, Catholics, well, you know, they, they they have other things. But that's not true in English because there are a large number of English translations of the Bible that are done by uh, Catholics. There, there's quite a few of them. It's not simply a Protestant Catholic thing. Uh, you go on uh, YouTube, there are plenty of YouTube channels of uh, uh, Catholics talking about uh, which Bibles they use. So it's not a Protestant Catholic thing. Uh, is it an uh, uh, evangelical mainline thing? Well, not really. Uh, there are a lot of evangelical translations, the ESV and the NIV are kind of like the two main ones, but there are more than that. There's the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Christian Standard Bible, which is very popular, the the New King James, which is very popular. Uh, but on the the, the mainline side, uh, certainly there are others as well. There is the uh, 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 New Revised Standard Version. Uh, there is the Common English Version, which just came out in 2011. So it's not it's not a it's not a, a mainline evangelical thing either. As best as I can figure this out, it's the idea of what I call the democratization of the Bible, that because within the English-speaking world, the concept of being uh, having the right, the freedom to do things, we do it because we can. Uh, and I think that really has a lot to do with it because we place a high value on those sort of things. And I, I have, uh, as best as I can tell, I think it has to do with this idea of uh, uh, the English-speaking world is a world that places a high value on democracy and personal freedom and so forth. And so have at it. No one's going to tell you what to do. So that's a short answer. I know it was a long answer, but that's as short as I get. <laughs> You have a follow up to that? I thought that was a great answer. Yeah. It was short and concise. Like I said, we could talk about this for weeks. And oh gosh, I could talk about any of those three. You know, you know, because you do have uh, people who try to to sort of break it out between Catholic and Protestant thing, and and a case could be made for that, mm-hmm. but not a very good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have a case of uh, it, it's uh, a, a matter of uh, uh, evangelical versus mainline, uh, and and you can make a case for it, just not a very good one. Uh, in your expertise, I mean, in my own, my own opinion is that if it's if it's a Bible that is faithful, not not necessarily word for word, but faithful to the original languages, the original manuscripts, um, whatever version of the Bible it is that speaks to you, read it. It's more importantly that you're reading it, as long as it is the Word of God. Are there any Bibles out there that fall out of that uh, that that you would say? You know that's going a little too far. It's 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 moved too way too far away from the original to be um, to use an old term efficacious yeah. when you when you read it <laughs> effective efficacious. You do that here and you clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say things like that on over the FCC? I think I'm, you just are did. you allowed to say that? I, I don't know. Well, I said it, and you repeated it, so we might both be in trouble. That's, that's like the pastor wildly gesticulating from the pulpit. I mean, are pastors allowed to wildly gesticulate? I don't know. I mean, is that something we're okay to do? I mean, is that all right? I don't know. But uh, in any case, uh, uh, the word you're looking for is sectarian. Uh, uh, are there translations of the Bible that are sectarian? Uh, the New World Translation comes to mind uh, 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 
put together by the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oftentimes it is kind of singled out in that regard. Many uh, uh, mainstream Christians often look to that and say, look right here, they're, they're trying to present Scripture in a certain way that deviates from uh, what uh, mainstream Christianity would say, you know, that, that's a that's a, a, a discussion. I mean, you can have, as I said, whether, whether they're, uh, you know, that's the case. It's there. Again, it goes back to the democratization. They certainly have a right to publish that. There's sure. no one saying that they can't publish that, and so they can and they do. Yeah. Um, uh, there are others that, uh, uh, like for example, uh, within Messianic uh, Christianity. Uh, uh, People oftentimes will find that they, they want to make a, uh, sometimes they're called holy or sacred name Bibles or sacred name translations, where instead of using uh, the word L O R D, Lord, uh, uh, they'll use uh, what they believe to be the divine name of God in the Old Testament, or if they see Jesus, they'll say Yeshua because they think that there's something important about that. So you'll have groups like that that, that do things like that. And again, it has goes back to the whole issue of the democratization of of uh, publishing scripture. Uh, they they do do it because they can do it. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, they're they are out there. Uh, they're not real popular. I mean, as I said, and and you know, it's pretty obvious that uh, uh, that's the case. So you know, there you have that. I can't remember the the name of uh, when you did the inductive Bible study class. Yep. The, the, there was uh, one of the guys who came. Uh, kept reading from a, a weird translation. Do you remember what that was called? Um, I've been trying to find it here, but it was uh, um, really strange. I'll, I'll keep looking for keep it. Keep looking, because uh, there, there, there are plenty of them out there, as I said. There, uh, you know, there, people have hobby horses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do. Uh, and one of the great things about, I mean, I, I think it's kind of interesting, as I said, because you get somebody else's perspective. I mean, uh, uh, even though I might disagree with what's said in the uh, uh, New World Translation, it, 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 it keeps me on my toes. It makes me think about, okay, well, how do I translate certain passages of Scripture, yeah. and why? I mean, and why can I take them as, uh, uh, as the Word of God? Uh, so it's, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, as some of these things, uh, the, the sacred name uh, translations, they're the same sort of thing. Uh, makes me think about stuff like that. Uh, the one thing, though, about the ESV, and and I will kind of try to keep this, uh, uh, why I think it's an important translation, as I mentioned earlier, it's a revision of a revision of a revision. It's the ninth generation. Um, uh, a guy by the name of William Tyndale really was the first, the, sort of the father of the English Bible. Uh, there were Bibles before that were supposedly in English, but they weren't any kind of English that we'd understand. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been watching this uh uh, this TV show, uh, The Last Kingdom. It's about uh, Alfred and so forth. Can, can I can I say this, that I've been watching that? I, mean, I don't I don't baptize a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> I mean, there, there's stuff in there that's not worth baptizing. Who's sending you residuals? Who? Oh, who uh... No, no. <laughs> Are you getting AdSense that we don't know about? No, uh, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, but uh, uh, everything that you get, I, you all know about pretty well. Uh, uh, but it, but in any case, uh, that you know, uh, in the first millennia there were things that were published in whatever you called it back then anglo-saxon or or whatever it might be old english mm-hmm. just parts of it but uh the first real modern bible was in done by william tyndale he did part of the old testament and all of the new testament 
He had a buddy by the name of Miles Coverdale. He did the whole thing. And then it got a revision, and then it got a revision, and then the King James, and then there was an English Revised Version in 1881, and then there was the American Standard Version of 1901, and then the Revised Standard Version of 1946 and 1952. Uh, From that point, uh, there is some divergence. uh, within mainline churches, uh, they when they wanted a revision, they uh, revised it with uh, the Revised Standard Version uh, in 1989, uh, more gender-neutral language. That's another thing about Bibles, as I said. That's a that's kind of was a hot topic maybe 30, 40 years ago. Uh, are do Bibles use gender-neutral language? Uh, the um, uh, the RSV was a first kind of a first attempt at that. The, the new Revised Standard, excuse me, not the RSV. Uh, then uh, within evangelicalism, uh, some people were getting dissatisfied with the NIV, largely over the issue of uh, their newer versions, the TNIV, which had j- more gender-neutral language, and the ESV said, let's take a different approach to gender-neutral language, uh, and they were able to get the uh, uh, National Council of Churches to agree to let them use uh, the basis of the RSV for another revision. So it's kind of a revision that goes back. What I like about it is that, you know, I, I grew up with the RSV just like you did, DJ. Uh, but more than that, uh, William Tyndale really formed the English language. Uh, that was another question I wanted to ask you because wasn't Tyndale's um, English Bible yeah. earlier than Luther's German Bible, which had a major influence on... German language. Actually, they were about the same time. Okay. Uh, and it was the other way around. Tyndale uh, greatly admired Luther. Okay. Uh, greatly, greatly admired Luther. And, of course, Luther's German Bible shaped the German language uh, like few other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is and I'm sure I'm, there's going to be um, some German ancestry Lutherans uh, who's uh, denomination will go unmentioned, uh, but uh, <laughs> will get really angry with me. But uh, William Tyndale probably was a better linguist and a better Greek and Hebrew scholar than Luther. Uh, and he certainly understood the English language extremely well. Uh, his, uh, he was quoted one time, he was in an argument with a, a cleric in a, in, a, in a tavern somewhere uh, because he didn't care for the clerics all that much. And he was quoted as saying, should God spare my life, I shall cause the boy that drives the plow to know more of Scripture than you. Um, which is, in fact, a mission statement, uh, which is why the cadences, the understanding, the, uh, the, the beauty of that Tyndale tradition, which is reflected 90% of what Tyndale translated appears in the King James Bible, 75% of what Tyndale translated appears in the Revised Standard Version. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, I like to call him the ghost of Dursley. Uh, Dursley, England is where he was from. What other famous uh, English author is from Dursley in England? I was going to say, isn't that Harry Potter? Yeah, Dud- Dudley Dursley, I think, is who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, can I tell you? That's why the Dursleys are from Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, that's because she was from Dursley. Uh, that's oh, a, wow. a muggle. Oh, you're uh, kidding. Uh, why would I kid about well, this? Well, I'm being recorded. That DJ. was that was a silly statement yeah, that I just. This is made. being recorded for posterior. I mean posterity. Um, so, and uh, uh, yes. Uh, so J.K. Rowling is, is from, from Dursley. Yes. Oh wow. Uh, yes, absolutely. But uh, I. She mustn't to, have liked the place because she. No, no. It's it's kind of like South Dakota. 
<laughs> it's, the, it's the British version of South Dakota. It really is. She has so a nice place to visit. <laughs> to, to, to quote a uh, like a Jeffrey Chaucer type phrase, uh, she, yeah, she really eviscerated that place in fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. She did. Al- although it might maybe maybe it's like uh, what's the road down so- Sock Center? You know, uh, uh, d- 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 was it Upton Sinclair? Didn't it? Uh, yeah. Sinclair Lewis, which one? Sinclair Lewis, that's the guy that's from there. He wasn't real happy about uh, Main Street either, so that, that's uh, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm not going to ask where you went to school. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but it, uh, so uh, a lot of the, a lot of the things that we take for granted, as far as phrases that we say, uh, were coined by William Tyndale, and again, you see that same being translated into the English Standard Version. That's why I like it. So one more follow-up, and then, then we can move on to something else. You, um, uh, uh, My experience with um, um, different flavors of Christianity is that there's, there's some folks that are very influenced by the King James Version, yes. as if it is the only authorized true word of God. And, and what I found interesting about that is when you go back to the authorized vers- version of 1611, um, you know, the King James Version, it was not popular. Please send your objections to Pastor D.J. Laura. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying that at that time it was not popular. What has brought about such popularity with the King James Version that some people will, will hold it as this is the only version of Scripture worth reading? Again, that's an amazingly complex question. Again, uh, there are, uh, within the King James only movement, there are, there are a few uh, uh, rivers or streams, you might say. Uh, uh, one would be uh, uh, people who are hardcore English traditionalists, uh, people who uh, believe strongly in the idea of uh, this is how it was uh, came down. This was somehow an authorized version. That's another weasel uh, word right there. Of exactly, you know what what constituted being an authorized version. It's actually the third authorized version of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, That's one stream. So you have the traditionalist stream. Uh, and then I, I use the word judiciously. I, I, I don't mean it pejoratively in any sense. I, uh, people who are self-identified fundamentalists, mm-hmm. again, not, it's not meant to say it in a, in a negative way, uh, who believe strongly uh, in the uh, King James only Bible, that, that you, that's the only version. You, now, not all people who are fundamentalists and their theology uh, embrace King James onlyism, but there are certainly a stream within uh, that that, that do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, another stream, a curious stream, is the the Mormon Church. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it, it, it says uh, the King James only version. I believe the phrase is "where correctly translated." That's a curious little caveat. Right. Um, uh, and then my favorite of all time are, of course, the Rastafarians. Uh, uh, Rastafarians are King James onlyist as well, so. Uh, there you go. So, wow. Yeah. So, again, that's that's the short version. Well, one thing that I really do appreciate about the King James version is is when you go back and read it and compare it to a more modern translation into more modern English, it it does have a, 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 a it's very poetic in how it you know most people prefer Psalm twenty three in the King James version. Um, we say the Lord's Prayer um, in the King James version. I mean, it has it has those heartstring. Uh, connections as well. It speaks. It speaks the soul of English speaking people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I found the the version of the Bible 
that uh, that young man was quoting to us. And I didn't know this until I looked right now, but this, DJ, goes back to what you were saying about uh, people reading Bibles th- that make sense to them, or that they can make sense out of. So this is an, a, a Hawaiian pigeon Bible. Oh, dear. P-I-D-G-I-N. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is how Genesis would be. It's called, De Start, God Make the World. The time when everything had start, God when make the sky and the world, and it goes on from there. Preach. But what? What is I, this? What the guy was quoting? Yeah, oh, wow. I, I believe so. I, I or or it was that. something similar. There are there are there are numerous pigeon uh, translations out there. Okay. Uh, again, going back to the incredible um, uh, number of English translations, you you don't find that many German translations. You don't find that many Spanish translations. You don't find that many Italian translations. You don't find that many French translations. You certainly don't find that many Swedish or Icelandic translations or Norwegian translations. Mm-hmm. There are just a handful of them. But for whatever reason, and, and pidgin is certainly, it, it's, a, it's a dialect of English. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it comes out of that. So, And there are various types of pidgin as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was clueless on that. I had no idea, so I looked up. Hawaiian pigeon, and yeah, so it would be a Bible that, you know, that works for them. Well, and it, it, it speaks, you know, it's kind of like um, when Pentecost happened, God didn't make everyone able to understand Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew. God spoke through the voices of the disciples in the languages of people who need ears to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for us in English, having this this um, enormous amount of of well, first of all, English is a very complex language. I, I, I having studied other languages, I would consider it one of the most complex languages. One of the hardest things in the world to do because none of the rules is to learn stand. English. <laughs> yes, that's correct. That's no, rules. What rules? Are there are rules. Who did? Who brought rules into this? When I was in um, middle school and in confirmation age. Um, you know, I, I had my RSV Bible, but when I when I was confirmed, my uncle, who is a uh, a Methodist pastor, uh, speaking of of the the gifts of Methodists bringing the Word of God, um, he gave me a Good News Bible, and that Good News Bible spoke to me in a way that the RSV did not. Um, and and there was one verse in particular that was I think it was my confirmation verse. It's Proverbs three five through six, and I think in the RSV it says something like. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Um, and that part, I never understood it. But then reading it in in um, the Good News Bible, it spoke to me. It said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Mm. And it was what you think you know just hit me in a different way um, and just sung. It, mm-hmm. it sung. it sung the good news to me and w- is one that I've rested on and return to many times to be comforted by the Lord. Yeah, so, yeah God, God will use means and people and give them gifts to, to bless in order that uh, those who have ears to hear can hear. Yeah, right. And that's you know similar to my having no idea what my King James Version Bible said. I needed something else. Something else to speak yeah, to right. Well, and leading into that question, I would like to know, a bit of the the origin story of of the good Reverend Doctor here. I, I'd like to know his story of how he got ears to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they they were standard equipment. 
factory. <laughs> They're factory installed. Yeah, absolutely. They were. <laughs> One sticks out a little. That, that's, that's one of the, 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 the most awful things about uh, this new phenomena of uh, videotaping and so forth. I, I, I've, I've eschewed uh, such uh, fripperies and vanities for, for some time, but there's no, uh, there's no getting out of it. But now when I look at myself, I recognize, and you know, everybody's going to start looking at this now, but one of my ears sticks out and the other one doesn't. Uh, and it's kind of sort of, it's asymmetrical. So you, you still have me hanging up on frippery. Is that a frippery? shoe? What is that? It's in the dictionary. <laughs> you can look it up. So now we need to watch, we need to watch for your one special sweater. My one special th- sweater th- and my ear. Yeah. And your ear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. It's well, I, you, you know, again, I would not encourage people to go about doing that. I would, I would encourage them to listen. <laughs> well, what do you want to know? How, how did uh, how did you become called to be a pastor? Uh, what? Kicking and screaming, kicking and screaming. Yeah. Well, but, I'd like to go even further back and, and just you know, I, I want to know the origin story. I want to know um, uh, your faith story. Wow, you know, uh, uh, DJ, that's an interesting question. The, the other night we were in life group and we we're kind of going around talking about uh, uh, when did Jesus reveal Himself, and and I, I I found out that that I was the only hellbound sinner in the room, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 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 it's kind of funny. I, I mean, people have certain expectations of pastors, particularly Lutheran pastors, because uh, particularly Lutheran pastors named Paul. Uh, uh, Paul's a very common name for Lutheran pastors. I, I, as a matter of fact, it kind of annoys me when people say, I don't mind people calling me Paul. I really don't. I like the name. But Pastor Paul sounds a little cutesy. You know, if you want to call me Paul, call me Paul. If you want to call me Pastor, say Pastor. If you want to call me Pastor something, say Pastor Cross. That's fine. But uh, uh, most uh, Lutheran pastors that I found who are named Paul uh, had a father who was a Lutheran pastor uh, uh, who wanted to honor uh, Luther's uh, uh, love for the Apostle Paul. Uh, That's not the case for me. Uh, uh, My dad did grow up Lutheran, uh, but... uh, uh, my mom grew up uh, in a, a default Baptist setting. Uh, her mother was Lutheran, and her sort of, you know, Lutheran by default. She was Swedish, uh, and uh, her father was her father was Catholic. And then they kind of agreed upon becoming uh, Baptist for some reason. I don't know why. It was pretty. Uh, my mom grew up in a Baptist church. My dad, um, uh, his uh, father was uh, Catholic, uh, pretty nominal. Uh, his mother was uh, Lutheran, pretty devout. Uh, he grew up uh, in, a, in a Lutheran setting. Uh, but both my parents had a common experience, and that was they were somewhere along the line, they got disenfranchised with the church. Uh, I did not grow up in a really strong faith setting by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, not that there was a religious vacuum there. I mean, it's not like my parents were foaming atheists or anything like that. But uh, my mom very quietly and passively uh, didn't want anything to do with the church, and my dad sometimes very vocally had uh, wanted to point out all the the uh, the foibles and uh, problems of of the church. Um, somewhere along, and there's the, plenty of those. Oh yeah, no 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 shortage. But my my dad knew most of them. I mean, he he knew where the bodies were buried for crying out loud. Uh, so I mean, he was a pro uh, at that. Uh, so I, that was kind of the environment that I grew up in. I, I uh, uh, you know, I, I went to Sunday school because my parents took me. My dad said, uh, made me say my prayers at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. 
I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. What a wonderful thought. Uh, <laughs> I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless Mommy, Daddy, Dickie, Stevie, Paul, amen. I almost slipped up and said my nickname. Yes, <laughs> yes. We'll get it one day. Well, I, feel, I feel like you're getting closer and closer as the weeks go by. Uh, uh, yes, indeed. You'll need to put something more than diet cherry Dr. Pepper in this flask here, friend. Confession uh, hey, is good for the soul. Uh, and just so you know, I, I opened the machine up and looked, and, and we're, we're good for at least another week. We're good for another week. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Well, in any case, uh, uh, you know, we said grace uh, uh, at, at, at table, and that was about it. I mean, that was uh, – there wasn't any prolific uh, uh, faith stories in, in the house, uh, uh uh, and, and, you know, when I got, I was the youngest of four, and when I got confirmed, uh, my dad's comment was, I, I have c- fulfilled my commitment to the church by uh, uh, raising my son in the faith. And he was done. Uh, and I mean done. Um, I, I found out later, my mom, as I said, grew up in a, uh, a very stern home religiously. Uh, my grandfather was quite stern in terms of his religious views, and it wasn't a lot of fun for my mom. And so uh, when she uh, uh, got older, she uh, uh, when she became old enough, she she took off and was wasn't all that interested in th- matters of faith. It's not that either of them again. There, I don't want to make a uh, a, a, a uh, give a, a false uh, statement of, about uh, their uh, uh, religiosity or, or lack thereof. It's just that it, it wasn't. When people around here in, in Lutheran churches, particularly in somebody ask questions like that, uh, you you get a bigger thing. Yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, well, and often often that's more of a reflection and a confession of um, unspoken piety, yeah. as compared to you know faith. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I'm not going to go down that. Yeah, path. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you you know you know where I'm at. Yeah, on I know. That, so. Well, in any case, uh, no, I. I um, uh, I didn't. Uh, uh, I, I, I didn't darken the door of a church for a long time until um, I. Um, I guess what got me back to church was I saw this young woman who I thought was quite attractive, and I heard that she was going to a uh, young adult Bible study, and it happened to be at the church I grew up in, and I thought that was kind of funny, and so uh, I showed up and fell in love, um, uh, not with her. I mean, she left about four or five weeks later. Uh, uh, but uh, I fell in love with studying the Bible, and uh, it was a real love affair. There was a woman in my life uh, who was named Mrs. Easton. I don't want to go on a long story about that, but Mrs. Easton was my sixth-grade Sunday school teacher, and she she was an amazing woman, and she encouraged me to read the Bible. So even when I wasn't, you know, a particular, well, like I say, when I was a hell-bound sinner, I, I still read the Bible. I mean, it can be done. I, you know, as I said, I, I don't know why you'd want to try, uh, but but you can do it. Uh, 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 you know, as I said, there's some people say uh, uh, sowing, uh, sowing your wild oats on Saturday night and praying for crop failure on Sunday morning. <laughs> Only I wasn't even there on Sunday morning to pray for crop failure. Um, but uh, um, uh, God had been working in my life, and uh, so I started attending uh, two guys, uh, uh, Carl and Ed. Uh, uh, Carl was a draftsman. Uh, you might not understand what drafting is, younger people at one point in time, you'd actually take a pencil and have a drafting table and design things engineering-wise and uh, not using computers and so forth. Ever heard of a T-square? Yeah, heard of a t- I was born in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to beat We're Ryan lucky she knows what a pencil is. 
in any case, uh, 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 okay, Boomer. Uh, I'm fine, thank you. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know, Paul, this is a side note, but this is just me publicly saying I am now petitioning for any kids born during the COVID pandemic to be called okay zoomers okay zoomers wow <laughs> oh, holy cow. Putting that out there you, you coined it here first man yep. absolutely sarah we'll, we'll we'll throw you that bow that's pretty clever but i like it in any case um um uh i i went pretty regularly to this bible study uh carl and ed uh, uh ed was a hydrological engineer but they loved to study the bible and they taught me how to study the bible and um they asked me to start teaching it with them for a while, and then um, had a great experience. Uh, in terms of sort of like igniting faith, would have been um, uh, I, I attended a Curcio weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people call it uh, Via de Cristo. Uh, some people call it Trace Dias. Uh, uh, it's it's for those people who are familiar with Alpha. It's like Alpha crammed into three days. Right. Uh, uh, Teens Encounter Christ or Tech is yep. another one. Uh, Chrysalis with Chrysalis. the Methodists. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I. But this was, that was in 1979. I was 25, and um, that had a powerful impact on me. Um, it really did. Um, still kept doing the Bible study thing, and um, finally, uh, uh, a, a, a friend of mine named Joe, uh, Joe Goldstein. Uh, I met him on a Curcio weekend, and. I was kind of not knowing what to do with my life. Uh, I had been working on cars for a living uh, for most of my adult life at the time. and Actually, all of my adult life at the time. What am I talking about? Uh, and um, I, I really felt that there was something missing. And so I, I read a book with Joe. It was called What Color Is Your Parachute? Funny name. Uh, still published. Uh, they make a new edition every year. And it helps. It's sort of a, a vocational guide. And it became very obvious that... Uh, uh, between Joe and myself, that uh, uh, I, God was calling me into the ministry. And so on um, December 25th, 1981, I raised the white flag, um, if, if I'm allowed such a, a metaphor. <laughs> uh, uh, it's called surrender. Uh, yes. I think that's a, a much better metaphor. I surrendered and said, God, okay, I give up, you win. Um, and, um, uh, and then I started a journey, uh, a very different sort of journey, uh, uh, because I was not a very good student, uh, up to that point, I had to learn how to uh, become a good student because if I was going to go into this, I would have to study. And, you know, then I spent the first half of my adult life uh, decrying higher education and the second half of my adult life collecting degrees. So <laughs> there you go. That's amazing. Now, um, having known that you are um, – you have roots in the Midwest, but you're not originally from the Midwest, um, you and I went to the same – institution the same the same <coughs> seminary at different times yes why there why why what brought you to minnesota again i came kicking and screaming because of the holy spirit uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh no I, I the funny thing is is that uh at the time uh there were uh, there was the, the uh, there were still about eight seminaries of the sort of combined american lutheran church lutheran church in america and uh only one was further from my home. Uh, uh, only one was further from my home. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, California didn't okay. seem interesting. Yeah, you know? I, there was not, nothing appealing about that. Uh, you know, I, I went in, and it was Luther Seminary, Luther Northwestern Seminary at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of asked the question, 
you know, uh, why should I come here? And because, uh, I mean, I explained how various other seminaries were courting and they, they, they really went out of their way. And at the time, there wasn't that. And, and I remember the, um, the dean of students there said something. He says, we need you more than you need us. And I said, okay, if you say so. Um, and it was a great time. I had a, I had a great time in seminary. Uh, again, this crazy transition, this crazy conversion. I, 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 as I said, I was a horrible student in high school, elementary school, junior high school. Uh, I flunked out of college uh, the first semester. I mean, I was a terrible student. People have a hard time believing that, but it's true. I was a terrible student. Um, but I fell in love with higher education. I fell, fell in love with studying. Um, uh, and, um, but uh, I think uh, the distinction there is um, in under uh, uh, grade school, grad school, uh, not, grade, not grad school, grade school, you are forced to study things, yeah. whereas... To learn English is your native tongue against your will. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whereas uh, the, it's the difference between have to and want to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, in any case, uh, I, I actually, I, it, was, it was a great... At the time, it's a very different place now, but at the time, there were a lot... Certainly even different from the time when you were there, because yeah. it was probably a half a generation, uh, maybe even a full generation uh, uh, difference there. Maybe not quite, but half a generation difference. Um, and... Uh, there were a lot of great professors there. There were a lot of, but those, and what I mean by that, there was a lot of diversity mm-hmm. of theological opinion within the Lutheran tent uh, there at the time. Yeah, uh, it, things have gotten pretty bifurcated and pretty homogeneous. So we, you know, we, we they, they, we don't have that anymore. Uh, it's a shame. Um, and I, I liked it. I had a great time. Uh, I, I thought it was fun. I liked uh, my time there, so yeah. Uh, I know that many of my colleagues think I'm nuts for saying that, but you uh, know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I like a good theological route. Sort of like, uh, meet me at the bike rack in five minutes. Don't bring your old man. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that's, kind of, yeah, that's kind of the kind of guy I am. I, you know, and and you could do that then. I mean, as I said, you know, have. Have that was good, expected. Kind of, a, kind of a Texas death match of theology, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, get the cage down on. For those of you who don't know what a Texas death match is, uh, <laughs> did they have those after '95? <laughs> well, this was before '95, so yeah, I, I, they probably did not have them after '95. Then there's no way she'd know. Yeah, there's no, there's no way she would know. That's that's true. I'm sorry. I have a tan uh, after this. I'm just getting roasted. <laughs> Um, so there you, you go. You only roast the ones you love. Yeah, true. So, yeah. Um, so uh, along with that, um, when you got your degree, were you were you planning also to enter the ministry in or in the role of ordained pastor, oh, yeah, or, I, or were you thinking of going? I mean, because you you have a doctorate now. Yes. Were you thinking of going on and getting your doctorate? Not at the time. Go? No, no. I, I God had called me. You know, I, I had I remember God speaking to me. Um, I was, I was real sad. I mean, there was a a renewal movement going on in the church, and uh, people were leaving my home church right and left in droves. And I remember sitting there uh, in my home church one morning. At, uh, uh, George Miller. I remember George was a, the guy that would open up the church for us. He was an incredible servant of God. I loved him. But I got there just a little bit after he did to kind of uh, pray in the sanctuary, and uh, there I saw George. Uh, turning on the lights, and I would see him. Sometimes I'd drive by, and he'd turn the lights out at night to make sure that they were out. And and um, another good friend had left to go on to the the next greatest and latest thing. 
And I said, God, I guess you uh, kept me here to keep the, turn out the lights. And uh, I could hear him say to me, uh, no, Paul, I, I, I called you here to keep them on. Mm-hmm. And um, um, that had a profound effect on me. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, I, I don't say that in any other way than very humbly. Uh, uh, it was a, 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 a one of those moments in life. And uh, so, no, I've always... Uh, you know, uh, it, I I love being in a parish. Uh, you, you you have I, the call to I, public ministry, right? I I I love I love being a, a, a local parish pastor. I love that. I like doing all the other stuff too. I mean, it's fun. Uh, I I served uh, in a as a uh, adjunct instructor at um, the Masters Institute for eleven years. Uh, in addition to being a parish pastor, but I still like it's the. It's the local church that's that, that gets me up in the morning. I like the next generation too. I, I'm I'm really interested in raising up the next generation of Christian leaders. That's a a big part of who I am. A big part of my ministry. It's what I love to do. Uh, uh, but um, uh, it's you know you, you interact with folks and so forth. I, I put my toe in the water to find out about that, and you know, um, God bless the people that are gifted to that. I really. Uh, uh, you know, um, I guess the word the kids use these days is poser. Uh, 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 <laughs> well, you know, regardless of the of, of an academic setting, I mean, I, I think it's it's understood and and widely recognized that you have a real gift for teaching the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's been fun um, for me being here in this last year to to um, work alongside you and to be able to sit in on some of those opportunities when you're when you're teaching a group and i, I tell you it, it's uh it's a fun time well you know i want to thank uh number one mrs easton for uh calling me up in september of 1968 to ask a quote young man's opinion of the gospel of mark that's number one and her son carl and his friend ed uh who taught me how to teach the bible and study the bible uh, those are the people that really laid that foundation for that. Yeah, I have all the alphabet soup I need in front of my name or after my name. I don't need any more. <laughs> I really don't. But those are the people that really inspired me to do the other stuff. I've I've been doing it, I guess, let's see here, trying to do the math. It's getting close to 50 years now yeah. uh, I've been teaching this uh, this book. Uh, 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 and I, it, I, I never cease to be tired of it. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It gets me up in the morning. And when I see the light go on in people's eyes, that's, that's worth it all right there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. That, uh, I've talked about it a couple times. The inductive uh, Bible study class was, was a lot of fun. And uh, getting a lot of things out of that that, um, you know, you wouldn't typically think of getting out of something like that. Well, that I learned with Carl and Ed. I learned to do that with Carl and Ed in nineteen the nineteen seventies. Yeah, it was. Wow. Uh, it, 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 we had a really this kind of unusual. I mean, uh, Lutheran churches are not known for their young adult ministries. We had one in spite of the church rather than because of it. <laughs> uh, and it was there were, there were a lot of us in it. It was a great it was a great group. I mean, it was just kind of one of those uh, sweet times. I mean. Um, Bonhoeffer talks about uh, in life together the the preciousness of that moment of being gathered together and then scattered, and it was just I've experienced that a couple of times where we just have that sweet sweet moment of of Christian fellowship, 
and then you're scattered. Mm-hmm. But that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, that's, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, there you go. Was, um, w- one other question then. Uh, what was your first Bible? My first Bible, of course, was the uh, Revised Standard Leather, just as uh, I. Now, here's the crazy thing. This says something about me. Uh, uh, it, it stayed uh, uh, fairly well intact until Mrs. Easton, uh, so it wasn't all that long, uh, asked me to read the Gospel of Mark. And then I became a daily voracious Bible reader. I mean, even when I was uh, the above said uh, hellbound sinner. Uh, uh, I became a, just a voracious reader of the Bible. I would read it every day, little, or some little part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 my first Bible read-through completion was in 1979, uh, and then I've subsequently read it through. Uh, I try to do it annually. I, I can't say that every year I've done it annually, but uh, I really try. Um, uh, but it was this revised standard. I still have it. Um, I, I, I remember taking it to a Bible study uh when I was dating Rhonda, and uh, it got dropped, and the uh, the 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 uh, sewing in the middle of it ripped, and so it flops. Ah, and, uh, yeah. But uh, I still have the box it came in, and I still have the pencil that I used to mark it up oh, when Mrs. Easton asked me uh, when I was fourteen years old. So uh, I guess that's what fifty-two years ago, something like that. So yeah. Um, so I still have the pencil. So I don't know what that says about me. But, uh, um, anyway, got the box. Got that. Yeah, that's that's Too fine. Cool. Um, what about uh, Sarah? Do you remember your first one? I think mine was an ESV. Really? I think so. It's. I know it's red and a hardcover. It's mm-hmm. not leather, but yeah. Does uh, do do you any of you have a a sentimental? Like, like th- this is my favorite one because of whatever reason. And, and if you do, would you like to share? Oh, yeah. There's no question of that. I have a, it's, it's, uh, and I've got what I call preaching Bibles. Mm-hmm. And my first real preaching Bible was a, uh, a Harper Study Bible, the Revised Standard Version. They didn't publish it very long because Harper Study Bible tended to be more evangelically oriented notes, and the Revised Standard Version tended to be more mainline. Uh, but it was single column, which I love. I love single column. I do not like double column Bibles. But it was a single column Bible, uh, not overly footnoted. I mean, just enough, to, and some really good cross references in it. And I got that thing marked up all over the place, uh, footnotes, <laughs> margins, written in, all that sort of stuff. Plus, uh, uh, my daughter, Mary Catherine, there's the shout out to Mary Catherine. Uh, 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 she, uh, when she was two, got a hold of a highlighter and saw. Uh, I, I had a highlighter and a red pen in the book, uh, in the Bible cover, and she'd seen me doing it, so she thought she'd do it too. And so uh, it is filled with uh, uh, all sorts of markings like that. Then there's the one other Bible that my friend Pat Hall, uh, I don't know, this is a negative shout out to Pat Hall. Pat's, <laughs> uh, Pat's a pastor in Iowa. Uh, but. Uh, uh, Pat, uh, uh, in seminary, when I wasn't looking, uh, we were, uh, opened my Bible up to the back and to, uh, one of the back books and in front of Jude, he wrote, Hey, H, <laughs> <laughs> Hey Jude. <laughs> and, uh, so, and, but I knew immediately it was Pat that did it. So yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, I, I guess sentimental, 
Uh, there's one Bible that I use all the time now, mm-hmm. but I do have a sentimental one, and it, it is um, uh, the Harper Collins Study Bible, New Revised Standard Version. That was kind of the first real Bible that I dug into when I went into seminary. Um, prior to going to, to seminary, I didn't focus on Bible study. Um, I was raised in the church. I read the Bible um, as as a kid, and uh, like Paul, read through it in my uh, early teen years, read all the way through it, fell in love with it, um, but didn't really dig into it until I went to seminary. And at seminary, my my seminary classmates would kind of tease me because they many of them were religion majors and had done all this stuff in undergrad, and I would underline everything. Whatever class, mm-hmm. I mean, so if you look at my HarperCollins Study Bible, it's well-worn, it's marked all over the place, and the binding is broken, mm-hmm. and so it has duct tape holding it in place. <laughs> And um, early in my ministry, I wanted to, to, in my own study, I wanted to read through Luther's works. And so I've used the HarperCollins Study Bible in those early years, and whenever Luther would reference a scripture, I would turn to it and underline it. Because mm. I wanted to make sure that I had it quick to turn, especially when you're making a visit to someone, you want to share promises with them. Um, I have since, however, really come to uh, appreciate the Concordia version of Lutheran Study Bible, um, primarily for the theological notes. Mm. Um, and and the translation of the ESV has really become a treasure to me. Uh, so that's the one that I use I use most, and I've, I've continued with the process of underlining in my Lutheran Study Bible Luther's quotes in mm. his writings. Um, but yeah, that that um, NRSV stands as a trophy on my wall. That's my well-worn sword. <laughs> so, how about you, Sarah? I think my it would have to be my first one because that was the one I was a big. I love church camp, mm-hmm. church summer Bible camp, favorite thing ever. I went to it almost every year from like third grade till I started high school. And Lutheran Outdoors of South Dakota used to always have a tradition. And I started doing that when I was in like sixth grade, where during your Bible study time, you did it with your cabin, and we would all go through, highlight our favorite verse or whatever for each person who was in our cabin with us, and we would almost like a yearbook like sign in the cover of that. So my first Bible has all of those in that. Oh, oh neat. That. And then I think the one that I don't have yet, I have claimed dibs on this, is so my grandma <laughs> had like the big Bible that's filled with all of the oh. family pictures and all that type of stuff, and right now my great aunt has it, so then... After she passes, my mom will get it, and then I will mm-hmm. get it after cool. that. So is, is dibs like COVID-19? Contagious, <laughs> 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 you know. Uh, What's yours, Ryan? Uh, actually, that, that first one that I couldn't understand uh, that, I, that I got. Um, it's, it's funny. Um, I gave it to Haley. Um, gave it to my daughter um, because... So she can't understand. <laughs> so, so, so she can't understand it. What's funny? What's funny about it though is, it, so she. I mean, we got her the preschooler Bible, and we got you know the adventure Bible, the Bibles that we give out here, and and that kind of stuff. Um, but one day we were in the sanctuary, and she was little. I don't know, three maybe, and uh, she got a hold of one of the Bibles in there, and I mean, we couldn't get it away from her. And uh, so she was reading it, and it, you know, uh, the the sermon was going on, and and uh, she was on the floor, and my wife said, "Hey, get up," or something like that, you know, like talking to Haley, 
And just as loud as she could say it, she said, I'm reading this Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. She just screamed it. So uh, uh, I, I thought she would appreciate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so she's got that one. So, yeah. And, and she, uh, I mean, she'll look at it i don't know i don't know if she can understand it or not but but uh she likes it and she she keeps it so yeah so well excellent um again this was a a fun time um does anybody have uh any anything they'd like to add to the the bible conversation i have one question for i guess both paul and dj being the pastors in the room so if somebody wants to read through the entire Bible, what's the best book to start at? Goodness. Um, I, I always say start in the, it, especially for someone who's curious and not a, not a Christian, but even, even someone who's been a Christian for a long time. Um, I, I say start in the Gospels. Um, and I would say start with, with either Matthew or Mark. Um, and then I would say go to um, a, a dual reading at the same time. Once you've read Matthew, once you've read Mark, start reading the Psalms and the Gospel of John. Um, it's not probably the easiest way to get into the Scriptures, but for me, you need to know the Gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I just think that the Psalms speak in such a way that they move us before we really even understand what's going on because it's it's poetry. It's it 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 is the language of the, of our hearts. Um, so start there. Start start that. Then read through the Gospel of Luke, and then you can go into Acts, and then get into Paul's letters, uh, and finish the New Testament before going back and reading the Old Testament, except for one book, Revelation. I don't think anyone should read Revelation until they've read the Old Testament because it's really difficult to understand Revelation without having an understanding of the stories and and much of what um, uh, Revelation is referring to are allusions, not direct quotes, but allusions to, to Old Testament stories and Scripture and so on. So that's that. I, but I think going to a professional Bible teacher might be a good <laughs> to get the final word on this one. Uh, well, let me just say that... Uh, you know, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association publishes uh, <laughs> millions of copies of the Gospel of John for this very purpose, that, uh, that, that people are coming without uh, uh, any kind of background. And, and John is where they typically uh, point to the, to the Gospel of John. Um, you know, who am I to argue with uh, uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association? Uh, uh, it's a great question, actually. Uh, I think, th- th- you know, I've kind of had a transformation even sitting here, I've had a transformation. Uh, a lot of it has to do with um, the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really does. So I want to listen a little to the person, what they want to get, what they're, what they're looking for. Um, the Gospels, as Pastor DJ says, is, is a good place to start, uh, but there are four of them for a reason. Um, and uh, each of them uh, had a, uh, an initial audience, and uh, you might want to uh, uh, sort of assess that. Uh, uh, Mrs. Easton said, Paul, you're reading Mark first. So that's what I read first. <laughs> Quick, right to the point, uh, just the facts, ma'am. That's from a show that you might not remember. They might not remember just the facts, ma'am, uh, from that show. They're, 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 it's, it was before them, too. Uh, 
So, uh, you see, yours is not the first generation I've tormented. Uh, so it, It's just the current target. Just the, just the current, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, indeed, absolutely. Uh, but, I, but I am grateful to your generation for the phrase, okay, boomer. I had no idea so many people cared about my well-being. I, I really was unaware of that. Uh, but, but in any case, um, uh, you know, I could see a, a case for, uh, you know, uh, someone who was raised in a religious background, read Matthew first. That's a great way to do it. Um, uh, uh, if someone's uh, kind of particularly curious about history, I'd kind of go Luke, Acts, Hebrews. Uh, the truth about Jesus, the truth about the followers of Jesus, and the truth about Jesus in the Old Testament. I'm of the opinion that uh, uh, Luke wrote Hebrews. Uh, but again, who am I to argue with uh, Billy Graham? Uh, uh, the Gospel of John is pretty well self-contained, gets the whole job done, uh, and I, I think that's that's a great way to do it. Uh, you know, it's a big book. Uh, uh, they can also go to Daily Discovery. They can click on our thought. website <laughs> and go to Daily Discovery, and that will guide them through. Heck, it'll even read it to you. Uh, it's so good. Uh, as I said, go to Daily Discovery on atonement.live. It's right there. It's all laid out for you. You'll get through in a year, and it, it barely takes you 20 minutes a day, if that. Um, and you get three chapters of uh, stuff. You'll go through the Psalms twice. You'll go through Proverbs twice. You'll go through the Old Testament once. Go through uh, the New Testament once. It's a great way to do it. Excellent. All right. Got anything else? I, I'd like to change my answer. I, uh, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's uh, it, it's always rough to be the first to go. It really is. You got to throw you in the deep end. You know how you know how I teed him up for that. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Yep. <laughs> Old age and treachery will overcome youth and skill every time. <laughs> Give it a try, son. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, well, thanks again, everybody, for for uh, being on this week. Um, for those of you listening, um, if you would like more information, we'll have uh, web website links and and uh, Facebook page links, all that in the comments this week, and. Um, if uh, if you feel so moved, uh, like and subscribe, uh, and and share share uh, the the podcast to your friends and family, and and let them know. Um, and so that's that's all we have for this week. Uh, Pastor DJ, would you would you mind praying us out? Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this conversation today, and I ask that you would um, uh, take the conversation that we have been ha- uh, having and let that be a blessing to those who have ears to hear. Um, bless us as we go about this day, trusting in your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. You can play, play us, us out. out.